Hi, and welcome back to Reflect Forward. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm so glad you're here today. Today is an advice from a CEO episode, and we are going to talk about what happens when you disagree with one of your employees in a meeting. So just this week, I had two disagreements with uh, two different employees in a Zoom meeting, which is always an awkward place to be having you know, tough conversations, but it's the way of the world these days. And um, some really good things came from both of those disagreements, even though they were a little bit awkward in the moment. And I know as leaders, we're constantly trying to figure out what that right balance is of being able to push back, um, but do so in a way that makes people feel safe, doesn't shut people down. And that's healthy for everybody, right? Being able to debate things in a meeting is a really important thing for a company, a really important thing for a team. But a lot of people won't do it, especially if they're pushing back against the leader of the team because they fear the consequences of doing that. Now, luckily, I've built a team over the years that feels more really comfortable being able to, um, to, to disagree with me. And I'm really proud of that, but it doesn't make it any less uncomfortable in the moment. And so I wanted to talk through that a little bit. So I'll just share a little bit of, of the story of what happened. And then I'll talk about um, how you can do this in a way that really encourages good, strong debate, um, disagreement, and hopefully encourages your employees to kind of push back against you and where you feel comfortable being able to push back against them without shutting them down. So anyway, I was in a meeting with um, my product strategy team, and we were talking about a scoring system, how we make decisions on what types of engineering resources we're going to put on which types of products. And we're in this big transition from a traditional tooling manufacturing company to a solutions as a service company. So we're in this constant battle of exploit current business, right? Taking care of our core business, but investing in new businesses and new opportunities that's going to really transform our industry, transform our company from a digital perspective, from an IoT perspective. And so we were having a debate about um, how much emphasis we put on uh, protecting legacy tools from competition. And one of my sales leaders, who I totally understand, is in the moment saying, you know, we have to make sure that we are hitting our sales numbers and protecting our core. And that's, we need to use engineering resources if we happen to have competition coming and we're losing market share. And I pushed back and I said, well, do we really want to give a whole bunch of weight to that? Because the future is all of this new technology. It's not going to be the core business, even though the core products will still be used in our future products. And so, you know, my job as a leader is to always stay focused on the future. And my team, of course, who are is responsible for hitting their goals and their plans in the year, it's hard to like sometimes pull themselves out of it. And I get that. So we went back and forth on what we think that we should do about the scoring system, which is arbitrary. And we ultimately you know, agreed that we weren't going to change it, that the weighting was going to stay the same because in the whole big scheme of things, it didn't matter. But I had made my point about the value of making sure we stay focused on the future and not always looking in the rear view mirror and not always saying that we have to react every time a competitor comes into the market. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It depends on the situation. So I knew this was an awkward situation. Um, we have a couple of new people on the team and, and you know, it's always, it's always interesting when, when an employee is going back and forth with their boss, especially when their boss is the CEO of the company. So before we ended, I asked the 
the gentleman who I was having the debate with, Hey, you know, are you okay with all this? He's like, yeah, I am. And you know, I totally get what you're saying. I've processed it and I, I believe in the future and I, I, um, I get where we're going and I'm really glad that you listened to, you know, my point about when and where it's appropriate to put resources to address competition. So we ended the meeting and a few minutes later, he texted me back and he was like, Hey, LOL, you know, that was a really good debate. I think it was good for the team to hear it. You know, I appreciate, um, I appreciate your viewpoint on this. You know, thanks for, for making sure that, you know, we're sharing the same perspective. So the next morning I called him and I just said, Hey, I just want to hear from your voice that, you know, that, that whole back and forth was okay. And he said, yes, it's one of the things that I love doing with you because it makes people think. And he said, I did pause for a moment because I wondered like, uh, should we be having this like as a sidebar conversation and not in front of everybody? But then I realized how important it is for people on the team to hear this type of discussion. And then two, to know that like, it's safe to be able to push back against you and, and disagree with you. And he said, so the new people on the team, I wanted them to be able to see that. And so that's why he said I was okay with engaging in this back and forth. And he did say, but I did get a call from one of the new teammates and he said, you know, Hey, just want to make sure that you're okay with, you know, with that back and forth. And so anyway, like here is a situation where we've built this really great team, comfortable talking to each other. Right. But that dynamic of an employee pushing back against his or her boss in a meeting can be incredibly uncomfortable. But it is so important to be able to do that. It is important to have that kind of dialogue for several reasons. One, if you only ever disagree in private, then people never know that it's okay to actually disagree in a meeting. Two, if everybody just goes along with the leader, but in their in their minds, in their hearts, they believe something different and they don't say it in a meeting, it undermines the entire team. It undermines the leader. And that's not healthy either. But as a leader, you have to be very conscious about how it's coming across, how you might be singling people out, and also knowing when to just back down and say, hey, you know what, it doesn't matter. I was just, you know, having this conversation for the benefit of the entire team to just make sure that we're thinking through things um, from a different perspective from time to time. And so you need to be able to create this type of healthy dialogue within your team so that everybody feels like it's a safe place to say, hey, I don't agree with that. So I want to talk about a couple of ways to do that. Um, first, it requires you to have relationships with your teammates. You have to understand them. You have to have mutual trust and respect for each other. And that takes time. Nobody is going to disagree with you if they don't trust you. No one is going to push back if they're afraid of you and you then are not going to make as good of decisions because you don't know what everybody thinks. If not, everybody's on board with where you're going or just says yes. And then, you know, wants to go do something different or is behind your back talking about how it's a bad decision. That's not good for the team. So you've got to really build those relationships and have those deep connections and have mutual trust and respect so that it feels safe to be able to, to do that. The second thing is to make sure that you are paying attention to your tone when you are disagreeing with one of your employees, or if you come across aggressive or hot-headed or angry, that is for sure going to shut things down. You know, I was talking about this particular instance from a big picture. 
I said, look, I totally understand where you're coming from. And I'm not saying that this viewpoint isn't important, but my job as a leader is to make sure that we're always thinking about the future. And so that's why I just want to challenge this a little bit and have a conversation about it. Like that is way safer, right? Way easier tone than saying, well, I think this is just a bad idea. Why are we doing it this way, right? Putting people on the spot with aggressive tone and with aggressive language is not going to make it safe. The third thing is to make sure that you're paying attention to body language and asking about it, right? So with this particular person, it was like, hey, you know, I just want to make sure that you're okay with this conversation in that meeting. And he could say yes or no, I wasn't. But, you know, showing that I care about how that person is feeling in that little bit of um, back and forth dialogue that we had made him know that I really cared about what he thought and made him know that I was concerned that he might be feeling uncomfortable and wanting to talk about it. And so, you know, our relationship is such that I could do that in the meeting. You might need to do that afterwards, but, um, but I think really just checking in with people because, you know, no one likes to be put on the spot. And even though it's important to have that kind of dialogue, right, it's good to be able to talk about it just in case it's taken the wrong way so that you know how you need to maybe modify um, your, uh, your dialogue. The next thing to think about is to engage other people in that dialogue and that debate too, right? You don't ever want it to be this one-on-one -on -one aspect. So one of the things that I did in a meeting was said, well, you know, hey, to the next employee, what do you think? And to the next one, what do you think? And, and then there was really good dialogue. Somebody said, well, you know, we talked about this and I see it both ways. And I think it depends on the situation. Another person said, I don't think it should be weighted that high. I agree with you, Carrie. And another person said, no, I disagree. I think that, that we really should be digging in. And if, if there's competition and, and looking at what we do to protect that core. And so, it allowed for a much broader dialogue, getting people's opinions out there on the table when you ask other people what they think um, and, and encourage that type of dialogue and constructive dissent. And then finally, follow up afterwards, right? I mean, the next morning I called this employee and I had a conversation with him and we had a really fantastic conversation about um, about the situation and about our relationship and, and about our ability to do those things. And um, it was extremely insightful. And I walked away feeling positive and I know that he did too. So that's a really powerful thing to be able to do as a leader. And like I said, you, you need your employees to be able to have constructive dissent. You need your employees to be able to push back and you need to be able to push back in your, on your employees in a way that is healthy, that makes them feel challenged, um, in their thinking, but part of the team and like they belong, right? Not like they're on the spot or stupid for, for their, uh, for their, their idea or suggestion or thought process. So I share that with you because it was very real. I had another one um, at a meeting later and there was more of a miscommunication thing, but I literally followed the same process. I was like, hey, let's just talk about this for a minute. Are you okay? Hey, does anybody else have anything they want to say? And then a follow-up call that led to a lot more insight and, uh, and us actually being able to resolve a problem that was happening within the organization. So if you apply this method um, of... Being able to push back, considering your tone, 
bringing other people in and following up, you will be able to have more of that debate and dialogue within your teams. And that is what makes a healthy team. Okay. Hopefully that was helpful. Question of the week. Question of the week comes from uh, a person who listened to a keynote speech that I gave recently on how to build an employee-centric organization. And he said, hey, I work for a really big company. How can you scale the ability to build people-centric organization in a big company? That's a great question. So Stone Age, we're relatively small and we are mostly in Durango. We do have employees all over, but it's a lot easier to create this culture when we're small and that we're close together. But the way to do it in a big organization is to work with anybody who manages and supervises people. You have to have a very good training program focused on developing people-centric leaders within your organization. It's the only way to really be able to scale it. Everybody who supervises a person needs to understand what the goals of the organization are in terms of making people feel like they belong, that they understand what their expectations are, what they feel uh, that they are in alignment with the strategy and the vision, and that they get feedback that helps them improve, that they have a manager who they believe cares about their development and progress as not just an employee, but as a human being. And if you don't have a, a very coherent training program that helps all leaders within your organization be more people-centric, then it's going to be difficult to scale. So the way to do that is to build out a training program that teaches people the values and the systems that you need to have in place to create your people-centric organization. So I do that through what we call own training. Um, I work um, with uh, my HR team and with training professionals to create uh, really um, engaging training where people are communicating with each other, where they're in breakout sessions and they're talking about what's going well and what's, what's not going well, and then a framework that they can um, then be able to, uh, to build their teams with. So that's the, the, performance, um, the performance chat system that we have uh, where we're talking about performance. It's our career development process. It's um, how do we deal with uh, conflict on the teams? How do we show up as self-leaders? How do we get the very best out of ourselves? How do we handle a, an employee who's struggling, right? We, we, we do very concentrated training around all of these things, teaching people how to put people first. And if you don't teach your managers and your supervisors how to do this, you will not be able to build a people-centric team, a people-centric organization. So I really appreciated that question because it isn't easy to scale and it can feel overwhelming, but it's so worth it. You can have a high-performing, results-focused organization that puts their people first, right? We are living proof of it. There are lots of companies that are out there and it's what people are, are, are vying for. It's what they are really wanting is to work for teams, for leaders, for companies that truly care about them and put them first. And, uh, and so you've got to be able to build out a training program that teaches managers within your company how to do that. Most of us don't know how to innately do that. 
So that is the only way to scale it is comprehensive program focused at middle management and supervisory management. Um, otherwise, if it's just at the top or if it's just kind of spattered here and there, it's not going to be coherent and you're going to have leaders who are left behind and you're going to have employees who are left behind on this whole movement towards building people-centric organizations. So hopefully that helps. It's not easy uh, to do, but if you want to build a people-centric company, then I suggest you start there. If you do not run a company and you want to build a people-centric team, then it starts with you. Just because you work for a company who might not be people-centric does not mean that you can't be a people-centric leader. And so you can do things um, by putting your employees first, by making sure that you connect with them and help them connect with each other, that they know that they that you care about their well-being. You talk about their career development plans. You give them meaningful, real feedback, encouragement, acknowledgement. You can do all of that within your team, even if you don't have policies, procedures, and programs within your company that does that. So be a people-centric leader, build a people-centric company. It is the way of the future, and, um, and it just is such a much better way to live, right? To not just be so focused on what does this mean for me? Am I hitting my goals? Am I hitting my number? Am I going to make my bonus? that so many leaders out there are now when we give back to our teams, we say, oh, I really helped that person grow. It was amazing to watch my team succeed at this project. I really helped this person through a hard time. That is what life is about. That is what leadership is about, not about how you're climbing the ladder. So some food for thought as you're thinking about people-centric teams, people-centric organizations. Okay, with that, I will leave you to your day. I hope you have a fantastic uh, rest of your week and I look forward to hosting you on the next episode of Reflect Forward. Take care.